Hello everyone, I'm Tori. And I'm Kariana. And welcome to God in All Things. Today, this week, we're going to be discussing the sound of music. And more specifically, we'll be discussing kind of like gifts of the spirit, but also how weaknesses can be st- become strong through Christ. So it should be an exciting week. We're excited to talk about this one. Um, we'll start, of course, with our summary, and then we'll jump into our personal experiences with it. Okay, so to summarize the movie, probably a lot of you have seen it. It's a little bit of a classic, but uh, we'll just give a quick summary here. Um A young novice at a monastery, Maria, doesn't seem to fit in at her abbey in Austria, and she ends up being sent outside on an assignment as a governess for seven children. Their mother has passed away, and their father, the decorated Captain von Schrapp, runs the house like the military. Maria manages to bring music and happiness back into the home, helping the family begin to heal. However, when Nazi Germany invades Austria, the newfound joy of father, children, and governess alike are left precarious. Great. So I think a lot of people um, have probably seen or heard of this musical. This is kind of like the big one of the big ones. I feel like there's a few musicals that most people have heard of or heard a song from, even if they don't realize it. <laughs> like I think of like Lame Is. How many people have heard um, the I Dreamed a Dream song, but they like don't know that is from Les Mis. So and I think if you don't know sound yes. of music, you probably know Do a dear. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's that one. I think even like the So Long, Farewell. Yeah, a few of You've my heard favorite things, things like that. That's a Christmas yes, song now, favorite things. Yes, so. we don't know when that happened, but <laughs> at one point it did. It's there. Um, and so. Um, As far as my personal experience with it, I honestly, like, don't even remember the first time I watched it because I was just so young that it, I liked it and just kept watching it and that was it. So it's kind of one of those movies that for me, it's always been around. I've always known about Sound of Music. My mom's family in particular is very into theater and more music stuff. And so because of that, I have that connection and my parents both like musicals, but yeah, my mom her side of the family is very focused on that. So a lot of those musicals have been, even just if it's just the music, have just been around a lot. And that's one, I think that's probably the first one I ever actually saw um, as far as a musical goes, besides Disney, as far as I can remember. Like, I don't remember seeing any others. There were a few I remember listening to the soundtracks from, but The Sound of Music is the first movie that I watched. Yes, so it was kind of my first real musical experience. And... Like I said, I just have always liked it. So um, I definitely was for most of my life in the boat of I knew the music. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was kind of it. I didn't. It wasn't until I was an adult that I even really recognized that it was a story about like World War Two. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was. I've always. I'm a big musical person, and I come from a musical family, but somehow I just managed <laughs> to escape it. Well. And so I was. I don't, probably 21 and living with my grandparents and they wanted to watch a movie and somehow they I mentioned that I hadn't watched it and they were like okay well, we have to <laughs> we watch, have to watch Sound, Sound of Music, music. Oh, and so I watched it for the first time in my 20s with my grandparents wow hey <laughs> and uh yeah so you know it didn't take a lot for me to love it like I yeah. love the music mm-hmm. and I love classic musicals and, and Julie so. Andrews and just like Andrews. how can you not like it <laughs> yes yes Mary Poppins is like by a long shot my favorite like live action Disney oh, musical. Really? Yes. Wow. So I've always been a huge mm-hmm. Julie Andrews fan. Um 
But uh, that makes it even more surprising that you don't. Say I know it's so people. odd. <laughs> it's like the Julie Andrews movie. Like I feel like there's that, um, Mary Poppins and Princess Diaries. <laughs> Those are the Julie Andrews movies. <laughs> For me, it was just Mary Poppins. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. okay, and Princess Diaries. Yeah, yes. I don't know. I don't know how the Sound of Music. I don't know how it slipped by. Wow. I don't know what happened. It just did. It just did. It's kind of impressive but, um, to me. It took me it into my that. 20s to watch a lot of classic movie musicals, okay. actually. I, uh... <laughs> okay. But I'm I'm caught up now. Good, <laughs> so... good. But yeah, it's great. We love The Sound of Music. Yes, yeah, Sound of Music is amazing. And it also has a lot of great lessons, of course, that we can learn. And like I said earlier, we want to focus on how Christ allows our weaknesses to become strengths. So to get us started on that, a little synopsis of that idea, a popular scripture shared amongst members of the church is found in Ether chapter 12 and states, If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, and my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. Often the scripture is discussed in the context of our flaws being healed, our sinful tendencies being corrected. However, God can also transform qualities that seem to be weaknesses and prove that in the correct context, those qualities can actually become strengths. So that's a lot of what we'll focus on. Um, I actually wanted to start before we get into Sound of Music itself. There was a wonderful talk given in this last general conference by Elder Stan Phil um, called The Imperfect Harvest. And he starts off with a really lovely story about his dad. Um, I'll do my best to summarize it, but you should just go read it because he puts it a lot more beautifully than I do. But he basically talks about how they lived on a farm and during harvest season they had this machine that helps harvest. I think it separates the chaff from the wheat. Um, And as it was going, he noticed he was pretty young still and he noticed that there were some bits of wheat left behind. And he mentioned to his dad that that seemed like a problem. But his dad's response was, it is good enough and the best that this this machine can do. Um, he says, not really satisfied with the with his explanation, I pondered the imperfections of this harvest. A short time later, when the weather turned cold in the evenings, I watched thousands of migrating swans, geese, and ducks descend onto the fields to nourish themselves on their long journey south. They ate the leftover grain from our perf- imperfect harvest. God had perfected it, and not a kernel was lost." And so that's just a really great opener to me because I think God really does take these things that seem like imperfections and is able to magnify them and transform them into exactly what is needed. Um, And it's usually in a way we can't see, like something may seem imperfect, but could actually be exactly what God needs. Maybe not right now, but in the future, that's what we needed. That's what someone else needed. That's what God needed to help build his kingdom. Um, So that's what we're really going to focus on, like I said, with Sound of Music. Um, We're going to just kind of go through it plot point by plot point, song by song, because it's just full of quotes and moments that we're able to see this process. So we'll start off just with, obviously, we come in, we have all of this footage of nature and churches, and then we have, yes, it's really beautiful. It's a little bit long. (laughs) But I watch it and I'm like, oh gosh, this is an old movie because it just goes for minutes and minutes. Anyway, but it's great. Yes, just they were very proud 
that they were able to get a camera to like get all the scenery that's what (laughs) happens which is fair for especially for the time so anyway we get to that and then we have the titular song sound of music um maria our main character comes forward singing it we don't have a lot necessarily to talk about that but i did want to mention the quote from it um it's pretty popular one it says go to the hills when my heart is lonely i know i will hear what i've heard before and it shows i mean we learned that she saw the nunnery from the hills she'd come down um but it was kind of her home in these hills and so it made me think about she starts off from a point of seeking god wherever she is so she knows that she's going to be able to feel god there and so she returns there because she feels that relationship Um, And that's a really important place to start if we're wanting to see our weaknesses become strengths. And then so we see this great strength in her that she's able to have this relationship with God. And then we move into the Abbey where we learn a little bit about some of her perceived weaknesses. One thing that I really liked, we have the Maria song. How do you solve a problem like Maria? So that's where we learn a lot about her um, flaws there's, of course, the Maria's not an asset to the Abbey. How do you solve a problem like Maria? How do you pin a cloud, hold a wave on the sand, hold a moonbeam in your hand? All of that jazz. Um, basically, she her nature is not to be held back. She has something in her that, especially in a nunnery where it's very strict, it's it doesn't fit. She doesn't fit there very well. And a lot of the nuns get frustrated by her and by that. Yeah, she's very bold is the word that kept coming oh yeah as i was going through she's very bold she just kind of says and does things as they seem right to her in that moment you know she follows her feelings a lot yeah and what i love about all of those analogies too um as the you know how do you take a cloud and pin it down and how do you keep a wave on the sand i thought about how none of those things like a cloud belongs in the air. Yeah. It doesn't belong mm-hmm. pinned down. And yeah. a wave doesn't belong on the sand. It belongs on the water. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And moonbeams, they don't, you know, they, that was a little trickier. Yeah. But. <laughs> but still, like but, it's not a solid thing. It's not meant to be held. Yeah. It's meant to be seen. So these are all things that, that don't, like they're asking, how do you do these things? But they're things that aren't meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's how, you know, I think it's a beautiful analogy for Maria. Like they're yeah. trying to turn her into something that she's actually not supposed to be. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> she has a different calling in life, but she and they just don't know what that is yet. Yeah. So then we have Maria go in and meet with the mother abbess and they have a discussion about Maria's struggles. Um, she's been singing in the Abbey where she's not supposed to. Um, but she, they have a good relationship, which is really nice to see. And the Mother Abbess asks her, what's the most important lesson you've learned here? And Maria's response is to know the will of God and do it wholeheartedly. And you can feel that from her. Like, she may struggle to be a nun, <laughs> But she genuinely loves God and wants to serve him. And so that's just another moment of us seeing that she's constantly turning to God. Like that is her source of strength. And so these other weaknesses are able to be healed later on because of that. Yeah, she serving God and learning the will of God is really important to her. But I also think it's interesting that she doesn't seem to be very good at it yet. (laughs) Because like you said before, she and the other nuns, they don't really know what her calling is yet. And she's 
convinced that her calling is to be a nun. And so she gets called. She gets sent on this assignment to be a governess and she doesn't want to go. She is kind of begrudging about it and, um, and fights against it a little bit before she finally agrees like, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. And so she, she wants to learn the will of God, but Mm -hmm. she's also kind of holding herself back from that a little bit and not letting her circumstances change. And I think you can definitely see a bit in that of she's like, it's not, she's wanted to go on an adventure. That's what we hear very soon. And I have confidence. And so it's not like it's not something she wanted. It's more like it's something that like she wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. And I think a part of her, she wants to be a nun. Like she feels like that's where she's supposed to be. That's where she's comfortable. And so the idea of going and doing something else is exciting but like it was kind of like a dream like a fantasy to her and so the fact that it's actually happening I think she just wasn't mentally prepared for it Mm -hmm. or emotionally prepared for it and but she is she ultimately ends up agreeing and being willing to follow through and you get the sense that the mother abbess has some sense that this could be really good for her she probably doesn't know how but she has a feeling that this is what Maria needs and that's why she asks Maria to do it as opposed to one of the other initiates. Okay, and before I forget too, I have um, a quote from uh, a talk. Did we mention this one? Then, no, you mentioned the Imperfect Harvest. Yeah. Um, so from the same conference, uh, April 2022. No, is that the same conference? That is not the same that's, conference. Okay, they're different conferences. Never mind. This Cut one that. was 2023. <laughs> That was the most recent conference. Mm -hmm. Okay. So back in the April 2022 general conference, Elder Kevin S. Hamilton uh, gave the talk, then will I make weak things become strong? Um, And he says, at the very beginning of the talk, um, he says, one of Satan's greatest lies is that men and women cannot change. This untruth gets told and retold in many different ways as the world says that we simply cannot change, or worse yet, that we should not change. We are taught that our circumstances define us. We should embrace who we really are, the world says, and be authentic to our true selves. And I thought that this was when I like was kind of reading this, thinking about Maria and her circumstances. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting to me because she is, it's like she has decided that she's supposed to be a nun, right? Which is not a bad thing for yeah. her to do, mm-hmm. right? Like she wants to devote her life to God. That yeah. She has a righteous desire. It's something that is is good, but she's still she's still kind of putting God's plan in a box. You know, she's mm-hmm. kind of she's saying this is what I think is right and this is what I'm going to do. And that's that. And so I was kind of thinking about that in terms of like, we should embrace who we really are, right? Yeah. Um, and and be authentic to our true selves. And God is trying to tell her uh, and helps her eventually figure out through this calling to the Von Trapp home that that's not who she really is. And that's yeah. not who she's supposed to be. And he has a greater plan for her. And thank goodness she agrees to leave and to seek out the will of God somewhere else, you know, mm-hmm. and go on this adventure that she kind of wants in her heart of hearts. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that she does have the opportunity to reach her full potential and be where she is really needed by God in that moment for yeah. herself and for others. Yeah, that's really interesting because it does talk about like that the world would want you to be yourself, be your authentic self or whatever. Um, but it's true that like the way the world says it, it's in a way where 
is lacking the divine understanding behind that. So our authentic self in the world's view is whatever you think it should be and like however you think the world should go, you should be seeking that. Whereas God's way is find your authentic self, meaning find the divinity within you and your divine potential um, where you actually can end up and be happy. Yeah. And he does clarify that in this talk. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to be yes. clear. He does yes, say that. He does. <laughs> just read the, the first The first part. But, but, but yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. So yes. Then we leave the Abbey and we go into the song, I Have Confidence, which is a really great one. Um, probably one of the ones, at least for me, I feel like it's one that I love, but I forget about. Like, yeah. you usually think of Do Re Mi, yeah. you think of favorite things. Um, So this is one that kind of falls by the wayside for me a little bit. But when I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, great yeah. song. When it comes in the movie, I'm like, oh, this is like my favorite song. Right. <laughs> this is pretty much one of them. But for some reason, it's kind of forgettable, unfortunately. Yeah. But it is a good song. Oh, yeah. So she starts off the song being talking about basically how scared she is um, and uncertain and she talks about how she's always longed for adventure. Now here I am facing adventure. Then why am I so scared? And she talks about, like, I need to get rid of these worries. And she also mentions one thing that I really liked um, early on in the song is she says, when I show them, I'll show me. Mm. And then goes into the main part of the song. And that's just such a powerful moment for her because I think that's when she's starting to realize that maybe she can learn something from this and maybe this is something that will go beyond her just serving these children for a short time but it will also be able to change her if she lets it and so we see her opening that door a little bit more she's already let god in and she already looks to god in many ways and now she's actually allowing him to change her in unexpected ways not just in expected ways yeah, one of the things that I really love about this song, especially relating to our topic today, is um, she, in order to gain the confidence that she wants, as she puts it, I seek the confidence I lack, um, she is essentially like reminding herself of her strengths, which I thought was really powerful. If we're mm -hmm. thinking about like we're all given spiritual strengths, right? We all kind of have inherent mm -hmm. strengths and weaknesses, she starts out her fear, which I think holds her back um, in the beginning of the movie. And, and later, I think her fear holds her back at a couple points yeah, in the movie. Mm -hmm. That's kind of her weakness that she lists at the beginning, right? You know, I long for this adventure, but I'm still so scared. Mm -hmm. um, but then she starts talking about, you know, she says, I have confidence in sunshine and rain. And we know that she finds strength in nature, right? Mm -hmm. She she finds strength um, and God in these natural settings. And so she's pulling from her trust in God and be and the beauty that is around her, right? She says, when you wake up, wake up, right? She's really oh, good yeah. at seizing the day. She's good at being <laughs> bold and being out there. And she knows that when she's awake, she's awake and she's yeah. getting life, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and then the, I have confidence and confidence alone, where mm -hmm. she's kind of, I don't know, I see it, I guess, as like, again, her boldness, right? She's mm -hmm. not afraid to say what needs to be said, and you know, she's very confident in that way and just kind of doing what she thinks is right without thinking about it. And and she has confidence in that. She knows mm -hmm. that. And she's kind of acknowledging that strength and recognizing it and holding on to it. Yeah. 
to to help her through and I really love that I think that's also very interesting because it shows that she also doesn't recognize all her spiritual gifts yet because Mm. you mentioned yeah I have confidence and confidence alone like almost like she's like that's all I've got is confidence going into this but that's going to be enough Mm. which in some ways it is but it's also because she has other spiritual gifts that maybe she doesn't fully realize I mean in the um, Abby, they're considered weaknesses because right. she has this fun-loving spirit. She has a beautiful voice. She loves singing. Um, she, yeah, she's a little bit of a will-o'-the-wisp, as they say <laughs> in the Maria song. Um, she's just all over the place. And in the nunnery, that does not work. That is, the other nuns are like, do not like her (laughs) they call her a demon um but and so she probably still sees those as flaws because that's what she's been taught um and so she's going into this being like well at least i'm confident (laughs) (laughs) she has that feeling um but we learn pretty quickly that's not all she has and that's why she's being put in this situation because she has other things that may be seen as weaknesses for her right now that will actually become strengths given the right context that she's going into. All right, so then the song ends and she has reached the house. We go in, we meet the captain. Well, after she's kind of looked around the humongous house, which fair enough, she looks in the ballroom and it's freaking <laughs> gorgeous. Um, and then, yes, we meet Captain Von Trapp, who ca- catches her um, bowing and pretending like she's dancing with someone. <laughs> Um, and we see very quickly that he's a very stubborn and disciplined man. He's a captain, so he's been in the army, military. I don't know if he'd necessarily, yeah, which branch. He'd be. I feel like it was the Navy as well. So um, in the Navy, and he also has suffered grief at the loss of his wife. So he's in this state where it seems like it's probably been a few years, where he was raised up in, in this military environment um, and that's a lot of his personality. And then he loses his wife, who probably balanced him out pretty well. You get the feeling that she did at least. And he has reverted back to his comfort zone, which is that disciplined military aspect, which is how he treats his kids, like a an army, basically, um, having them march and like their only exercise. I think that he talks about early on that he has them march around the gardens and that's their exercise like yeah not so anyway (laughs) so very quickly they're both introduced to each other's flaws um maria like i said is able to see how he treats his kids like a company of military men and captain von trapp um when she she's more outspoken so she tells him no way i'm using that whistle like just telling him straight to his face a few things she's definitely tentative at this point so she's not just like berating him or anything yet um definitely see like the fact that she's like uh no actually i'm not responding to that whistle is kind of like she immediately refuses to be treated like and he's so confused he looks at her like what the heck (laughs) um and even asks her like were you this much trouble at the abbey and she says oh much more So and then um, the best part is when she whistles at him and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get your call. Yes. <laughs> but, so she's pretty sassy yeah, with him yes, right off the bat. She is, which is just throws him for a loop for sure. Um, so, yeah, we're introduced to these two very different people, at least seemingly very different people. 
and their different flaws. But as the movie goes on, we do start to see that both of their those flaws, perceived flaws, even the captains, end up being important later on and needed and become strengths later on. So we have this interaction with the children. She meets them. They seem to like her. Um, we have the situation with the frog that was in her pocket. Um, and then we get to the dinner table and there's the pine cone, which is the moment Captain Von Trapp falls in love with her. <laughs> Find out later. So great. Anyway, and so, and then she, um, another, she's also very patient with people, but she's very direct. Like we've kind of talked about, she's bold with the captain. She just told tells him straight up, like, I'm not doing that. And this is a moment where we see with the children how she's able to touch them because of that boldness where she basically is like, oh, I'm so glad you made my stay here. Just my first day here is so pleasant and nice. And they all start crying. <laughs> they know that they messed up. And like, she's probably the first governess to ever reach them on that level. Right. And it's on her first night. And it's just her being her. And the way she's approaching it where she's being bold, but also not like in front of their dad giving away what happened. Right. She's not a title. Yes. Title. She's very tactful that way, but she is still herself as far as being outspoken and being like, I'm fine to tell you that what you just did was not appropriate in whatever way I can. Um, and that's, like I said, the first time that these kids have probably been touched. So we're already seeing this thing that has seemed like a flaw to other people become a strength in the right context yeah i think it's uh, she's a little bit silly with it that's kind of yeah. the word that comes to my yeah. head is mm -hmm. that she's she's indirect in a very like sarcastic and funny way yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's again something that probably wouldn't be appreciated at the abbey but it's something that these kids can understand they yeah. get being kind mm -hmm. of that silly, like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, the sass, the sarcasm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we do see, at the same time, um, Captain Von Trapp does have strengths that are important later on and that are, or, you know, perceived weaknesses that mm -hmm. are strengths in the right context. But I think we also see things with him kind of like how Maria is very scared and kind of has to overcome these feelings of like fear and trapping her into mm -hmm. her comfort zone. Um, Captain Von Trapp is very, you know, he, he's, he's very wealthy and he kind of has this, this wealthy person attitude of everything has to look perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And um, he says when Maria first meets the children, he says that they've gone through 12 governesses and she says, well, what's wrong with the children? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he mm -hmm. says, there's nothing wrong with the children, only the governesses. Mm -hmm. And he kind of, he refuses to see flaws where he doesn't want them to exist. Mm. He would rather the governesses be flawed because he can just kind of get rid of them and ignore the flaws and problems in his children and in himself and in the home at large because he just wants everything to be perfect and marching and <laughs> yeah and mm -hmm. in its correct order and he kind of 
that's something that he has to learn and and grow from out of and and change yeah that's great um i also that reminds me of in the talk that you mentioned the um i will make your weaknesses become strong or whatever it was the speaker talks about the requirements of change and the very first one is we must humble ourselves mm-hmm. and so it's interesting to watch this because the captain's transition is definitely slower than maria's as far as growth goes and like discovering oneself and and stuff i mean obviously maria has a longer a long prospe- process throughout the movie but i feel like we see the captains changing a little bit later mm-hmm. um and i think part of that is because one of his flaws is his pride and his arrogance um and so when that he has to get rid of that first before he can really completely change and so it would make sense that his process is just clearly different from Maria's because of that so then after the dinner I guess kind of during the dinner we have Liesl leave because a telegram comes and the deliverer Rolf is her beau (laughs) so she sneaks out to go meet with him knowing that he's waiting for her out there and we get 16 going on 17 classic song there as well and we also have just an inter- interesting interaction between them. I feel like Liesl's definitely the most developed of the children as far as a character for goes. Sure. Um, being the oldest helps for sure. And she's old enough to have a romance, which just helps with <laughs> um, various progression, character progression. But we see very quickly, obviously, they think they're in love and they want um, to be together. But we quickly see throughout the movie that they are on very different paths. I think it's like halfway through the movie that we discover that Rolf is considers himself a Nazi. Liesl clearly isn't. She follows what her dad believes. And so we figure out pretty quick that they are on different paths. And yet they're both young and they feel like they connect on some level at this moment. One thing that I thought was interesting watching the movie for this was, and maybe I've noticed it before and just forgot, but I think it's funny that as you watch them kind of dancing and interacting together, Liesl is pretty confident in herself and she keeps yeah. making moves on Rolf. <laughs> That's <all> true, yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she's trying to kiss him. She's kind of like, you know, running her hand, her fingers yeah. up his arm and like touching his neck. And, and he's the one who's kind of like backing away. Yeah. And he, like his eyes get all wide and he runs yeah. and, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. and he's very, very nervous, right? And it's pretty ironic as you're listening to him sing you need someone older and wiser like you're naive and scared and you're yeah (laughs) yeah he's singing you're timid and you know all of these things while she is like yeah okay (laughs) and like trying to get him to kiss Mm -hmm. her while he's the one running away it's this interesting idea where she is basically she she knows what she wants she's confident herself in herself and she knows what she wants but she's still kind of waiting around for him, right? Mm. She's actively working to get him, but at the same time, she's kind of like, almost like Maria, she's decided that Rolf is it, right? Like you mm-hmm. said, they've, they've connected on some level, and she's like, Rolf is the one, I love him, I want him to be this person who I center all of these fe- feelings on, 
even though he's not like giving that to her and he kisses yeah. her at the end of the song. Mm-hmm. It, yes. it, I'm stretching uh-huh. it a little bit, you yeah. know, but <laughs> No, but still like and it also is interesting because she's singing about being submissive. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. I think it kind of shows that her and Maria are on a similar journey as far as discovering themselves. Maria is just older, so it feels different for her because she's more mature and she's already developed more confidence in herself than Liesl has. But they're both um, kind of more outspoken and forward people and they're learning that that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, And so, like, I feel like, yeah, we see that Liesl is a more outspoken person but it's not until later that she starts to realize that's okay. Because, yeah, in the song, what she's saying is, like, oh, yes, I'm so submissive. You can yeah. take care of me. Like, almost like that's what she wants to believe she is because that's what she thinks she should yeah. be as a woman, especially mm-hmm. in the time period. Um, but really, that's not who she is and that's not who she has to be. And her outspokenness and forwardness isn't necessarily a bad thing within the right context. And she has to develop her a better understanding of that as a strength as opposed to it as a weakness. All right, so after that great scene, we end up moving back to the house and Maria is talking to, well, she um, is led to her room by the maid and the house, house, what's the word? Housemaid, lady, the head house lady. Keeper. Anyway, <laughs> housekeeper, housekeeper, yes. <laughs> oh my God, Housemaid I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh okay we got there eventually the housekeeper um and she is told that the children don't play like that's not what we do in this house the captain's not gonna allow that maria's like what the heck is going on here she asks for play clothes and they won't give it to her um the captain also says a little bit later that he won't and she solves that problem but not before (laughs) she sings her favorite things but i do want to start with after the housekeeper leaves and Maria is kneeling and she prays, of course, before going to bed. And Liesel sneaks in through the window. And I love that before Maria addresses her, she prays to ask God to help her know what to say to Liesel. Like, she's right there. But, like, she's like, I know that I'm going to need God's help in this. And so she just, she's already kneeling down. She's already in the middle of her prayer. So she makes sure to say that before she goes into this conversation with Liesel, which ends up being a really important moment for their relationship because Liesel begins to understand that Maria's maybe not so stuck up and cross as she would expect a governess to be. Again, she's silly and fun, and that's what they need in this house. Um, yeah, yeah. Severely. <laughs> severely, that's a what lot. they need in this house. It's also interesting that it's been one afternoon that she's been there, and already when they're scared, they go directly to her. Every mm-hmm. single one of them. It's, I mean, it's not like they have a lot of options, but like they could have <laughs> gone to each other's room. Yeah. But they already have this feeling about her. And I think that's another one of her strengths that seemed to be a weakness was because she's so fun-loving and just has a really outspoken and brilliant personality. That's what's able to draw these kids to her automatically so that that evening after she gets there they're already they're afraid of thunder and they all go to her room that's their first instinct and so i think it's just a really sweet moment when you really think about it that way i think you can i mean confidence is something you can sense in a person yeah and i really Mm -hmm. do believe that she has a lot of confidence you know Mm -hmm. and 
if you're scared, then what you're looking for is somebody who's not, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and if you, you've met this woman, she's made fun of your terrifying father with his whistle she's handled the dinner table beautifully right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can feel this confidence exuding off of her and you're terrified you're like well, I'm gonna go to her she can't yeah. be scared uh-huh. of a thunderstorm Absolutely. so I think yeah definitely I, th- I think the the silliness and fun loving like that kind of breaks down those barriers and allows them to feel close to her and mm-hmm. then they can sense her other strengths as well and and kind of trust her Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, too, to think of how God potentially prepared this family for her to arrive as well. Almost like, I mean, they, like you said, they went through 12 governesses before her. And so it's almost like they kind of got out of their system all of that trying to get their dad's attention like it's still there for sure. But like it's enabled, like I feel like if she was the first governess, they would have worked really hard on her still because it would have been... I mean, it was probably right after, not long after their mom passed away. And so it was a pretty instinctive, like they're dealing with grief. Their dad isn't around to help them deal with that grief. Um, They just have these random ladies. Like, I don't think they would have been prepared to accept her confidence Mm -hmm. if she had come earlier. I think she needed to come later after they had processed the grief, at least on some level, um, as well as Captain Von Trapp after he has processed the grief grief on some level. And the kids are kind of probably tired, like, (laughs) you know, of trying to get their dad's approval Mm -hmm. and attention. Um, and dealing with the governesses the way they have, like, I think they're probably getting mildly tired of it. Mm. They still feel like they need to, but, like, I think they're more in a position to be willing to let someone in. And so when Maria shows up, it's just right on time, basically, for them. And we haven't touched on her yet. We're probably getting to her here soon, but the... Captain Von Trapp has a woman who he's seeing, the Baroness, Uh right? And I'll just briefly mention that I think... Like, the kids recognize that their dad has been spending a lot of time around her, mm-hmm. and so they recognize that there is a new woman coming into their lives. So I'm just, like, going off of the yeah. idea of preparing mm-hmm. the family. Like, these kids recognize that this woman is, like, there's a good chance their dad marries her, and mm-hmm. if they, they're they introduced to Maria, and they're like, if we're going to have a new mom, like, we obviously know which one we'd rather it yeah. be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a way that their circumstances also could have kind of opened their hearts up to her being there at that moment where they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, so we can have this like crazy stuffy Baroness who's probably a lot like dad or (laughs) we can have this really cool, awesome lady who plays with us. So we're actually going to be really nice to her. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And they probably were nervous too. So to have this fun, free-spirited, confident woman come into their lives when they're a little more vulnerable also probably was a positive thing for them. Unfortunately, neither of us have any thoughts on favorite things specifically, like as far as the song lyrics go, but it is a great song. Great song. If you haven't heard it for some reason, you should go listen to it. You don't just um, have to listen to it in December. Yes. Don't yeah, do exactly. <laughs> don't it it doesn't need to be a Christmas song. I don't know why it's a Christmas song, <laughs> except that it mentions snow and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And gifts. Yeah, so, yeah there's yeah. a gift and there's snow. That's about it. <laughs> so anyway, but you can listen to it at Christmas. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, so any, wait, anyway, so we have the captain going off. He's with the Baroness for a little while. I think there's in Belgium, maybe. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, so they're off and 
Maria just has the kids to herself. She ends up making them play clothes out of the curtains that they were going to get rid of. She's very good into the, in the recycling area. Good for her. Um, <laughs> not used to the rich life. Yes, exactly. Plus, <laughs> I mean, they didn't away. really give her any other options. So she's like, she's well, if you're going to get rid of this anyway... I may as well cut it up and make some clothes. So we see her taking care of them. We have Do Re Mi, which is a great song. I don't have a ton of thoughts about that one either, specifically as far as lyrics go. The only thing I would mention with it is I love that her first, one of her early instincts with teaching the kids and helping them is, of course, to bring her free spirit into it and let them kind of enjoy themselves in a way they haven't for a long time. But also singing is what something that brings her closer to God. And so she starts off with opening them up, getting them comfortable, but she also introduces the idea, something that helps her spiritually feel good. And so she's helping them on a deeper level than just like playing with them and getting them out. She's also spiritually helping them come closer to God in a way that she's been able to, which ends up really bringing not only them closer to God individually, but as a family we see throughout that the music is what brings them back yes together and um back to their heavenly father which is beautiful yeah i think it's it might be the first time we see her actively choosing to use a strength to benefit yeah that's true Mm -hmm. she uh her music is definitely a perceived weakness in the abbey and she Mm -hmm. definitely sees it as like oh no i was singing but i think she also recognizes that it's something that brings her closer to god yeah i think Mm -hmm. that she at the same time does recognize it as a strength because the reverend mother even tells her like you're only not allowed to sing in the abbey yeah <laughs> it's like, not a sin to sing anywhere not, else. yes uh-huh. so she recognizes that music is a good thing and especially good for her and her and mm-hmm. her spirit and so this is something where she recognizes that there is a lack of music in this home and it is taking away that spirit like she recognizes that something is missing and she chooses to use something that she knows how to do and introduce it to mm-hmm. them so that they can have feel that same strength and healing and comfort and closeness to god so yeah. i think that's a really interesting moment where she actually makes that decision yeah that's a good point and it's like it's not quite halfway through the movie but it's close close ish um to halfway through the movie that we're having this start of a transition where she is starting to recognize that maybe some of these things like you said that maybe aren't flaws but maybe um have been viewed by others as issues in certain circumstances that she's like oh i'm I know that this will help this family. And so she makes that effort. So moving beyond that, we next have the captain return with the Baroness and Max, who I believe, I'm assuming it's his um, deceased wife's brother. I don't know if it ever says that. But I feel like, yeah, they call him Uncle Max. And there's something, I feel like at some point he says my sister, my sister's children. That sounds right, actually. So I'm pretty sure. Okay. That's the I had connection. never put that together, but that, yeah. I just assumed he was a close yes. friend, but yeah. that makes sense. And if you guys know better, that's great. You can let us know. Yeah, let but us I'm know. pretty <laughs> dang sure it's a brother-in-law. Okay. Um. Cool. So anyway, we have, and I would be curious, though, if um, he knew Max first, and that's how he met his wife. Oh, yeah. 
Um, he does seem really close. He knows. Yes, Max exactly. Really well. Like they have been around each other a long time. And Max knows the Baroness, mm-hmm. so yes. it, it would be interesting to know how all yeah, those connections. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so very quickly, I mean, we get introduced to these two people, and we see very quickly that they are very different from the rest of this family, um, which is interesting to see that these are people that. Captain Von Trapp specifically chooses to be his companions when he's away. Like, these are the people he hangs out with, which Mm. it just opens our eyes as viewers to who he is as a person, that it goes deeper than just his disciplined, stubborn self, and that he actually has kind of a fun side. But he's only recently been able to show it away from home because I think home still reminds him of his grief too much um in fact i believe um oh yeah this was okay i do remember i had written down a quote earlier that i thought was later in the um, movie but i do remember it was earlier but um frau schmidt the housekeeper when we meet her um she talks about maria asks her like why not play why not music all this stuff and frau schmidt's response is nothing that reminds him of her and so we're able to see very quickly that that grief is still there for him, at least on some level. Clearly, he's moving on enough to be willing to marry again, but he still is in pain over it. He hasn't fully processed that grief. And so um, the bar- it's interesting to see him with Max and the Baroness because clearly they're people who he can escape with basically that's what they represent um but we also see that max and the baroness are similar to each other in a lot of ways as far as they're both very ambitious they're willing to like the captain's very principled but they're both kind of willing to do whatever they need to to survive kind of people um so they can be manipulated not manipulated they kind of like know they're being manipulated but they are like we'll let it happen i guess basically because they just want to save themselves basically yeah just keep as long as they can keep their wealthy lifestyle they're good and we also see very quickly that the baroness isn't bad she just once again has different strengths and weaknesses to the captain um that maybe fit in a certain context like for the captain it seems to help him through his grief on some level and so there's something about her that is needed for him for a while at least um, but by the time we meet her, we see that that context is maybe starting to shift a little bit and she's maybe not quite as helpful as she was before. But we can clearly tell that she's helped him. Like, it's not like that he's always been kind of weird with her or anything. They have nice conversation um, before the kids come. and We see him kind of being silly. Like, he's yeah. kind of loose for the first time. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she's able to be a good companion for him. Um, but I feel like some of her strengths and weaknesses make it so it's harder for her to be prepared to be a mother. So that kind of a context maybe doesn't work so well for her, which we'll see in a little bit. So then we see when the kids come and they're on the boat. And I believe Kariana had a specific <laughs> thought on that moment. So I want to make sure we get that in. I yeah, something before that, too. Oh, okay. Before the kids show up. So when we first see the Baroness and the Captain talking together, um, the Baroness... I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a fun scene because because we do see him kind of like tease and let loose and act a lot more like Maria and I liked what you mentioned before about their like they're seemingly different people mm. but then as soon as we see the captain with somebody 
who maybe doesn't remind him of his deceased wife. Mm, (laughs) Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. a lot, he suddenly seems a lot more like Maria. He's Mm. just kind of like happy and teasing and joking. Um, But then the Baroness mentions, she says, I don't have the exact quote, but uh, she talks about how um, he's completely different there. He's, Mm. she mentions that like, being in the rolling hills and it, with the water and the lake and everything, um, being back in his home uh, in the in the nature, she specifically mentions a lot of nature places mm-hmm. and how being back there, he's so completely different. And I thought that was a really interesting connection to Maria finding comfort mm-hmm. and being closer to God in the hills and in nature, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's kind of an interesting thing because he has, we've seen him at home already and he wasn't acting like this before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that it is like the reminder. Right. And so now he's, he's managed to get comfortable with this barrenness and she Mm -hmm. doesn't remind him of, of his grief. And so he's able to be more comfortable around her. And then once he has her in his home where he feels the most comfortable and in the Hills of Austria and the place that he loves where he feels the you know maybe more most like himself maybe the most like his true self um and she she can see this different another difference in him as well and so i don't know it's just kind of i thought that, that was a cool connection yeah that's really interesting i really like that um so then yes the kids show up and it's pretty funny. <laughs> yes. It's a little just... awkward, but, and, but also hilarious. It, it is so... funny. I think it's a cute example of where, just another example of where something that wouldn't have flown in the Abbey is perfect for where yes, she is. Yes, that's a good point. Because she's yeah. like, hi, Captain, you're home, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they left on Ter- like a terrible note yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. she, he was really uh, mad right. at her when yeah. he left but she's still like so excited to see him right she's very mm-hmm. easy to forgive um and she like stands up in their canoe and is waving all frantically and then tips the whole boat over and all the kids yes. fall in the water uh-huh. and they're all just giggling and laughing mm-hmm. and she's so like chaotic yes yeah <laughs> i can relate i relate uh-huh. to maria on such a chaotic level <laughs> She, like, bumps into things and knocks things over, and people catch her doing weird stuff. And I'm like, all right, Maria. <laughs> me too, girl. You. Me too. I get you. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so she she's just has such this chaotic nature and just causes messes wherever she goes. But the kids yeah. just think it's the funniest thing, right? Yeah. And it just mm-hmm. endears her to them even more, whereas, like, that has been another perceived weakness this whole time of her yes. making noise and uh-huh. causing these messes being and clumsy and stuff yes. but it's yeah it's so bringing this that. family together at yes. least the siblings together to <laughs> start with yes eventually pretty quickly actually <laughs> so um I guess you could actually say that it's another area where God has kind of prepared the circumstances the right way. Because mm. you were talking about the kids' hearts being opened. Well, we were talking about the kids' hearts being yeah. open to Maria for various mm-hmm. reasons. And I wonder if Captain Von Trapp's heart would have been open to Maria without the Baroness. Oh, yeah. Cause That's a good get, point. Because he does mention specifically, like, you've changed everything. He, I can't, mm. again, I don't have the exact quote, but he tells her, like, you kind of brought me back and you Mm -hmm. made me able to like move on and live again and I wonder if he had met Maria without having his heart already opened by somebody who's 
maybe a little more at his level, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. that allows him to see her and all of the good that is her and and fall in love with her. Yeah. So I mean, the circumstances were probably prepared with the Baroness as well, which is yeah. kind of sad, but that's how life goes sometimes. Right, yeah. Sometimes people come yes. and go in our lives uh-huh. and that's just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they're just needed for a little bit yeah. and that's okay. And, or they just need us for a little bit yeah. and then things and pass and we're all okay just yeah, still growing and it's great. <laughs> um, and I love too that a lot of these things, these transitions, e- even as we continue, are like very kind of seemingly small things. Like hmm. her just hanging out in a canoe and <laughs> yes. falling off of falling it off is like so, yeah, it opens the doors <laughs> for so much important conversation and because then the captain gets mad and then they have a really important conversation in just a second that we'll talk about. Yes. Um, um, and then, yeah, like the whistle thing, like they both fall in love with each other with these like little tiny moments. Um, and I think that it just goes to show how God is able to magnify our efforts. Like you think about in the New Testament, the famous story of the loaves and fishes, where someone brings this tiny amount, and then it becomes so much more. Um, or even just um, that story we talked about at the beginning of the harvest machine, um, where things are left behind and it seems imperfect. But um, briefly, apologies if our setup changed. If you're watching on YouTube, um, we my memory card filled up. <laughs> so we had to kind of re set things up but we are back and let's just get back right back into the plot where we were at yes all right i can't remember exactly what the last thing i said was (laughs) but i do know we were about to go into the captain and maria's fight after um the baroness and the children and max go inside um maria is well the captain kind of starts going into her being frustrated like he realizes that the children he saw climbing trees earlier were his own um he sees that yes he's He's very embarrassed about that um he also realizes that they're wearing clothes he hasn't seen before she tells him it's made out of her old curtains and he yes he's not impressed by that either um so he starts kind of laying into her her and she ends up just fighting right back because she's Maria and she's very open about how she feels about things. Um, and so she basically starts off telling him all these things about his kids that he doesn't know, that he should know, explains that the, these kids are lonely, they need you, they need your guidance and example, and they just need your love in a lot of ways. Um, and he says, you know, I don't want to listen to this, I don't have to. And she says, you've got to. And his response is like, have you always been this outspoken or this forward? Like, he's kind of like, what in the world? And um, Maria's response is, oh, yes, it's one of my worst faults, being, <laughs> being too outspoken. But she says it in such a, like, in such an unapologetic way. Again, she's starting to learn a little bit more about herself. I think she's had time with the kids where she started to realize that those things she thought were flaws really can be strengths within this context. And so she's learning to appreciate that more and be more willing to accept herself with those flaws those seeming flaws kind of a random this like isn't this scene but it ties into that thought perfectly Mm -hmm. there's a moment where like she's just is just so good at everything you know she's just so good with the kids and the baroness is Mm -hmm. kind of jealous and um and the baroness asks her my dear is there anything you can't do and she says well i don't think i'd make a very good nun (laughs) and i think i see it as like that kind of 
she's like finally realized you know she's like I've seen these as flaws but like I'm not good at that but I am good at this (laughs) you know Uh so so yeah I think that's definitely a key moment where she's like yeah, this has been a flaw, but maybe it's not, actually. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe in the right circumstances that God can take me to, it will be a great thing. Yeah, and so another, there's one specific thing that the captain says that's really interesting to me right here. Okay. And that's where he's like, it's like peak of the fight. He's like so angry, right? And he kind of loses control a little bit, and he calls her captain. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, he's... Mm-hmm. Again, like, we know he's reverted back to his military ways mm-hmm. and running the family, right? And it's just this really stark moment mm-hmm. where he, like, gets angry and loses his temper. And we can see so clearly that he is just in this military mode, you know? Yeah. And he's not in father mode. And so I would say that he's... That's where he's really... He knows how to be a military commander. Mm-hmm. He knows how to reprimand a general or a captain. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to get to know his children. He doesn't know how to be a dad and how to love them, you know? And I think that that's where Maria is so, so vital to him because I think those really are weaknesses for him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and with the the help that Maria is about to get, we're about to get to another really awesome moment, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and we see Maria help him change into where he knows how to do both. He he really strengthens that ability to be a father and to love his children. And she allowing himself to get close to her and opening his heart to the things that she has to teach him through music and through nature and fun and love. He's able to, to make weak things become strong. And I just... And that, just that word captain, it's like, oh my goodness, you know? (laughs) And and so, so yeah, I think that like kind of is, it's very, very telling Mm -hmm. for the whole thing. I actually think um, along with that, um, this just came to my mind that it also shows that he recognizes that everything she says is right because his title is captain. So he wouldn't be reprimanding another captain. Mm -hmm. If he's saying captain, it's because he's looking up to her. As a captain. And so probably he recognizes that what she's saying is true. And he feels small in that moment. He feels like he's um, beneath his commander, his captain, because she is pointing out all these flaws that he recognizes do need to be fixed, but he just doesn't know how to do it. And so it scares him. Um, And so the fact that he specifically calls her captain, I think, shows that she's an equal but even that she's being considered as his leader in that moment and that he feels like he's being reprimanded um like in the military by her which is a huge turning point for him because it shows that he's humbling himself in that moment which leads perfectly into the next moment (laughs) which is when they he hears his children singing and he goes in and he ends up joining them singing this um the sound of music it's so so cute such a great little scene and the baroness is listening and yeah it's just a really touching moment because he was prepared in that moment to be humble and so when he went in, he was willing to see his children for his children as being his children and people he loves instead of as his kind of burden in a way. I think, too, I love that they're singing The Sound of Music because mm-hmm. one of the lines that he sings 
um, is the one that you quoted at the very beginning where he says, I go to the hills when my heart is lonely. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. He, quote, he happens to come in. Um, I don't remember when he comes in, but before that moment, at least, so that he sings that line. And it made me think of how, you know, we, we learn kind of throughout the movie that his previous wife really loved music, right? Which is why mm-hmm. it reminds him of her and he doesn't invite it in anymore. And, uh, but then we learned that he's a really amazing singer and he's like done singing before. Right. And so it's kind of interesting that music is a strength for him, just like it is for Maria, but he's kind of pushed it to the side. He's actually made something strong become weak. Mm, Um, yeah. And so this is a moment where he, you know, I, I go to the hills and my heart is lonely. And it's just that same idea of kind of going somewhere where you can feel closer to God and where you can sing without people watching and Mm -hmm. where you can just truly like, you know, learn who that true divine authentic self is. Right. And, and then like mentioned a second ago, like using this, this strength of music that Maria brings back to him, he's able to learn to be a better father and we see him get a lot happier from that point on and i it makes me wonder if he is more comfortable from feeling he he's felt weak at home like he Mm. knows that he's lacking and that he's struggling even if he doesn't admit it to anyone and after this he can feel himself getting stronger and that inherently is going to make him feel more confident and thus make him feel more comfortable and so it kind of allows everything to just relax and fall into place a little bit more which I bring Mm -hmm. up because sometimes it feels like it's a really fast change right from that moment Mm -hmm. on it's like okay and we're all happy and together now right yeah but I think that it really like it's a big deal right once Mm -hmm. he opens his heart he he's humbled himself or Maria Mm -hmm. has humbled him which you know we're both yes (laughs) and he opens his heart Mm -hmm. up to music and it just kind of it's this previous strength so now something that was weak is so strong and Mm -hmm. it's able to just change everything it's yeah. able to change his whole feeling of being at home yeah and i think too though with that like it's not like it's completely changing him into something brand new no. it's returning him to who he was before yeah. he stopped progressing basically if we're going back to our frozen discussion like <laughs> back before it, this grief has made him stop progressing mm-hmm. and so going back um he's reverting back to where he's able to progress again um, sure. and to become happy so it's still him it's not like he changed overnight miraculously or something. It's like he's remembering who he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think there's also a sign in that, like, we saw, we've already talked about all these gradual things, these small moments that have allowed him to reach that point where he can allow his weaknesses to become strong. Um, and all of that was God's hand because God obviously called Maria there. Literally, the mother abbess <laughs> is the one who tells her to go. It's so clearly, God. yes, <laughs> literally, like she's in a place where they're all supposedly led by God. So that's who's sending her to here. And so it's easy for us to be like, yeah, he changed overnight. But really, God can do all sorts of things with us if we let him. So So then we don't really have a lot necessarily to say um, about up until she ends up, Maria ends up leaving, but we do want to kind of summarize. So they're basically just ending up being able to get closer as a family. Maria and the captain are able to get to know each other better. The children are getting to know the Baroness a little bit better for good for better or for worse um and we have you know the goat herd scene and then we have the party 
Um, oh, well, before that, we have a moment where the kids convince their dad to sing. And so that's when we first hear the song Edelweiss. Yeah. And such a sweet scene, especially because we have, like, he's looking at the Baroness, trying to be all sweet and smile. But, like, almost unconsciously, as soon as he says, bless my homeland forever, he looks at Maria. And it's so cute. So she, he's starting to see her as his homeland, as a place where he feels at home. He's singing just, with Liesl too. So it's exactly. a daddy daughter moment. So cute. <laughs> so, so cute. Um, and then we have, of course, the ball, um, this party that they're throwing. And we have the dance scene, which I think is probably like one of the like most, I don't want to use the word steamy because that gives the wrong <laughs> idea, but also kind of, if you know what I mean. <laughs> It's if just you know so. Tori, if you know, and, uh, all it takes is a good old-fashioned ball <laughs> oh, for her to think gosh. it's real steamy. <laughs> if you get like the gazing into each other's eyes and like real close with their faces while they're dancing, stop. Can't even. So you know, that's a moment that you just need to take a moment and just like deep breathe. Oh gosh. Anyway, so great. We love it so much. Um, if you've seen the stage production, that's a little bit even more of a humorous moment because. Um, Captain Von Trapp tells his son, who was originally dancing with Maria, well, that's how you do it <laughs> once they break eye contact. Um, so, yes, we love that scene. I yes. love that scene so much. It was, we saw, um, um, we saw a production of The Sound of Music in which right, the Captain yeah. Von Trapp left a lot to be desired. Neither yeah. of us were in love with him at all. But, um... The dance scene was the one yes. redeeming thing. Like where I, we were like, oh, okay, you're still right. Captain Von Trapp. You got something. <laughs> but I also feel like it would be really hard to not have chemistry yes. in a scene like that. Yes, like it's you just, just such a good scene. It's just Anybody so perfect to create chemistry between people <laughs> because you're just staring into each other's eyes. And, like, you got, like, the hand on the waist and stuff. Like, oh, my gosh. Anyway. <laughs> So yes, we get that. We had to talk about it for a moment. But then um, Maria's told to go get dressed. She's invited to the dinner part um, after the kids go to bed. And the Baroness goes to help her find the right dress. But really, she's there. I know. To help her find a dress. Um, Really, she's there to put some doubt in her mind. But it's interesting because I don't think it played out the way she thought it was going to. Like, I think she probably planned on being a little more threatening. But really, she goes in there and she's like, oh, yeah, the way the captain looks at you and stuff. And then Maria's like, what? Like, oh, my gosh. And, like, the look on the Baroness's face is kind of, like, surprised that that's Mm. her reaction. Like, I just think she's – her personality is such that she would never – be surprised that a man has a crush on her basically um and so the fact that maria is i think just kind of opens her opens the baroness's eyes to who maria is a little Mm -hmm. bit more um and so that's a really interesting scene but maria ends up deciding to run back to the abbey because she's very uncomfortable she's made the plan to devote herself to god by becoming a nun and so this really throws a wrench into all of her life expectations which if any of us have experienced that it is hard and scary to have these wrenches thrown into your plans for the future. Everything you thought your life was going to be could be completely wrong. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so, um, and not really knowing what to do with that information. Like she probably a part of her is like, could it happen? I don't know. But also she just doesn't know. Like she just thought this was a temporary thing. She was going to be done and become a nun, but she's starting to realize it could be more. And she's just not, 
emotionally prepared for that yet. So she runs back to the Abbey and the mother abbess asks to speak with her, of course, after she has some time alone um, to be in silence and think. One of the first things the mother abbess tells her, well, Maria explains, you know, I had to leave because like, basically she explains that she was scared. Um, and the mother abbess tells her that God does not intend to be used as an escape and as an escape, but a support and a guide. So that was paraphrasing a lot of what she actually said, but basically that's what she's getting at is this, the Abbey and God are not supposed to help you escape. They're supposed to help you through what you're doing. God's supposed to help you get through it, not dodge it, um, which is what Maria is trying to do. And then we have this wonderful song, of course, the Climb Every Mountain song um, that has a lot of great quotes in it. I think just by nature of it being a big turning point in Maria discovering her strengths and discovering what God's plan really is for her. Yeah, you uh, you pretty much summarized up what most of my thoughts okay. were on it. So <laughs> I don't have any direct quotes from the song, I don't think. No, um, but Maria quotes the Reverend Mother later um, mm. saying that the Reverend Mother always said, you have to look for your life. And I think that that's really relevant to this yeah. this song and this scene where, um, you know, like like you said, the Abbey isn't to shut out problems and God, God is there to help us through our problems, yeah. not for us to be able to run away and <laughs> not take care of them, right? Yeah. And, and I think that sometimes when life gets scary, we can want to just kind of hide away and shut it out, right? But that's yeah. the way to get through it is to go out and look for it and um, and let God help us through there. And I think that I really do think that fear, her being scared at the beginning and then running away here, I think that's her main real weakness that she needs to be able to become strong and I think that the Reverend Mother is really important in, in helping her do that. And by the end, she is kind of willing to face anything, it seems yeah. like, as we get to the mm -hmm. end and the really scary stuff that yeah. happens in this mm -hmm. show. You know, she's just strong. And I think she mm -hmm. finds a way to trust God's plan for her and to uh, to be able to actively, we kind of talked about this in the in the. I think Frozen episode is what well. maybe it was Pride and Prejudice, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, instead of you know the the idea of having faith enough, having faith to act, trusting in God and acting at the same time, mm, that yeah. uh, trusting that things will work out while actively going out and making things happen, and that's uh, that's basically what I that's yeah what I love out of climb every mountain and yeah. what she what she learns in the scene that is seriously vital to their success later on in the show <laughs> yeah kind of literally too with the literally. climb every mountain <laughs> um so i also i did want to throw in there too um the popular lyric within it um a dream that will need all the love you can give every day of your life for as long as you live I like that the song is about dreams, but the context of when it's being sung shows that it's not like if we're going back to the talk um, you discussed earlier about how the world wants you to be your authentic self. And so we think of dreams and we think, oh, it's going to be what I want it to be. But in this context, it's showing us that her dream, Maria's dream is not what she thought it was. It was. God has shown her what her dream really is. And it's 
it's still to be a an instrument in God's hands, but it's not in the way she was expecting. And so I think our dreams, if they're driven by what God knows will be best for us, um, those are the dreams that are worth following through on. Those are the dreams that are worth pursuing because we can come up with all sorts of dreams for ourselves, but if they don't end up building God's kingdom in any sort of way, if they don't, essentially, if they don't end up allowing us to help another person to come closer to Christ, even in the smallest way, ultimately, in the long run, it's not going to mean nearly as much, even if we do accomplish it. So then Maria is talked into going back. So she does. And she ends up finding out that the captain has officially become engaged to the Baroness. They have a wedding planned, um, or at least they're starting to figure out a date and stuff. And she, of course, is very disappointed. Um, But then the captain, as soon as he sees her, like, I mean, he already was kind of just as sad as the kids. Um, But he ends up deciding that Maria is much more what him and his children need than what the Baroness, than who the Baroness is. And so he ends up breaking it off with her. He goes out in the middle of the night and she's out crying and he finds her in the darkness and um, ends up talking to her. And they, of course, discover that they both love each other and it's super sweet. Um, they go to the pavilion and then they sing Something Good, which is a beautiful song. Awesome I think, song. honestly, if I really had to choose a song that was my favorite from this, it would probably be this one, mm-hmm. which the romantic songs in plays aren't always necessarily my favorite it depends but in this case it is probably my favorite um and I just think it really wraps up a lot of what we've discussed about how I mean the whole idea behind the song is Maria's asking you know I had a wicked childhood I did all sorts of bad things which is what we've been talking about she had all these weaknesses and perceived weaknesses um, but she says, but I must have done something good because there's no way I could have you and have your children um, as my own if I had done only bad things. And I think it's interesting because she talks about, you know, I must have done something good. She also says nothing comes from nothing. So there had to be something. And to me, I'm like, it's very clear from the very beginning of the movie that she has a lot of faith. <laughs> And so if nothing else, she's always had this faith. And so we're able to kind of see how these little things that she sees as little, God sees as much bigger than um, she realizes. And I think the same goes for the captain. Like he has a lot probably that he regrets, especially from recent years. But there was something he was doing right. And there were strengths he did have that he was developing, even if he wasn't necessarily cognizant of it, that um, have allowed these two people to come together in a way that will touch many other people's lives um, the way God would intend. So then we move forward. We have the wedding. It's great. They're on their honeymoon. They come back. um, And now it's basically the Nazis have taken over. So... (laughs) That's a fun thing to come home for, (laughs) home from. It's such an interesting transition in the movie because it's been so focused on this romance and this, like, family relationship. And then suddenly, I mean, we have hints of the Nazis throughout. There's moments where they talk about it. But now it's suddenly, like, this is what's happening. The Nazis are officially here. Like, you have this wedding scene. (laughs) When my dad and I were watching it together and both of us were like, wow, like, there's the end of the movie. Like, you can end it right there. (laughs) 
see. And then there's, mm-hmm. but then there's a whole second movie. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. exactly. I'm like a, sh- a little short film yes. right after, um, because yeah, we transition into this. But I think this is an important part for the captain's story. Like I feel like Definitely. Maria's story has pretty much come to a close yeah, with the wedding. I mean, she's a human being. She's still growing. There's things that we can still see in her later on. Um, from her strengths, but the captain in particular has a little bit more to There's learn. More to show us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's what we're able to see. I think also Liesel and her situation also is something we need to see as well with Rolf. We're able to see after this marriage that Maria and the, we are able to compare basically the relationship. So Maria and the captain, um, they sing in harmony during something good, whereas Liesel and Rolf sing different melodies a little bit during 16 going on 17 and so you quickly see that their their relationships aren't as in sync um as captain and maria's and so liesel probably is starting to recognize that too um with rolf kind of ignoring her and just not treating her the way he used to and so she's starting to realize that maybe that relationship wasn't all she thought it was but she now has a relationship to look to to understand better what that means for her Yeah, it's an interesting progression there. And I like, we kind of, we start to see the change back in favorite things Mm -hmm. when they talk. No, 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 no. If we, when we jump back to favorite things, she mentions as one of her favorite things, uh, telegrams. And it's kind of this amusing moment, right? (laughs) Where like getting telegrams is like this thing to look forward to and it's the best. Mm -hmm. Um, And then here she... Or somewhere, she says that she is learning to accept a lack of telegrams. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's at the beginning of that scene with her and Maria yeah. at the mm-hmm. at the reprise of um, sixteen going on seventeen, and and so I just think that's kind of a cute analogy where she she acknowledges that she's she's learning to be okay with the fact that this was maybe a temporary thing, and um, maybe she's even learned a little bit about that from her dad and the Baroness, right? Where mm-hmm. she's recognized like, yeah, this was something that he thought was really good, but then it wasn't exactly right. And I, maybe this was really good, but maybe that like a Maria is coming along. Like maybe yeah. there's something mm-hmm. way better, right? And then I loved uh, another connection where in, in the reprise where Maria says, when you're 16 going on 17 waiting for life to start Mm -hmm. and it kind of made me think of that quote you have to look for your life right so Liesel has been you're kind of in the stage of like things are new and beginning and you're just kind of like you feel like you can't do anything yet so you're like just waiting for everything to happen Mm -hmm. right and I think that that quote is really relevant to Liesel right now where Maria is helping her realize like a it's okay if things aren't happening like right now and as fast as you want them to, because it's not always going to. And B, you can also go out and make things happen on your own, Mm -hmm. right? Going back to what we talked about before with Liesl being really bold and outspoken like Maria is, she, she has the option to go out and make things happen and be bold and be outspoken and learn rather than Mm -hmm. just kind of, waiting for whatever this you know whatever is not happening (laughs) yeah mm -hmm. um continuing with lisa lisa and rolf i think it's interesting so towards the end of course rolf ends up finding them 
Um, and I hate that the movie changed this so much. This is one thing yeah. that I despise that the movie changed, where the play, the original work, um, has Rolf not telling them where they are. He ends up, you know, keeping their secrets and letting them go. Redeeming moment. Yes, it's a redeeming moment. And for some dumb reason in the movie, they decide to have him call for the lieutenant. And I mm. do not like it at all because I'm just like, that's just so unfair to his character because he's just not able. It, I think it makes him more of a flat character in some okay. ways. It takes away some of his complexity that he has a little bit more in the stage play. I mean, he's not in either of it very either of them very much, but like there's just this nice moment where we see that he's a human being as opposed to just this kid, you know? Like anyway. So can I actually provide yes. a counter argument? Please that? do. Please do. <laughs> I have not thought this through well enough to decide which one I actually prefer. So okay. I mm-hmm. I don't actually have an opinion here just yes. throwing out another mm-hmm. idea, you know. Um, in the movie, he does like you can kind of see him being convinced by the captain, mm-hmm. right? Like he's letting the ca- he lets the captain take the gun, even right. Mm-hmm. He lets him walk up to him and eventually take the gun, and he's very conflicted. And you can see this conflict in him. And then it's when the captain says, "You'll never be one of them," mm-hmm. that he like straightens up and gets all offended and shouts mm-hmm. for the lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And and I think it kind of shows if you. I mean, if you know, I mean, you do know probably better than me the history of, <laughs> of World War II and Nazism, mm-hmm. um, where they had the, uh, what were they called, where they sent, like, boys to be indoctrinated. They they had, like, a Hitler oh, youth group, Oh, yeah, the basically. Hitler youth, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have to, I mean, Rolf is a kid, like, we have to assume that he was part of that, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he's probably going to these youth camps and straight up being indoctrinated yeah, <laughs> with this true. with this nazism and being told that this is right and this is the way to be a man right mm-hmm. and so i think it's interesting that's when the captain says you'll never be one of them because as a boy as a 17 year old boy you're you're looking up to these men who you respect and you want to be just like them and you want to mm-hmm. be strong and you want to prove yourself in this world right and make something of yourself and so I almost see it as, like, this really interesting, like, he's fighting this conscience, but then he, like, does that yeah. does that make sense? Where he, it's that sentence that kind of triggers him into, no, these are the, these are the principles I've been taught, and I'm going to stick to them. It's, it's almost the same idea as Captain Von Trapp sticking hard to his principles. Mm-hmm. Rolf has just been taught wrong ones. And yeah. so he's fighting his natural conscience versus these principles that he's been taught and trying really hard to live up to. Yeah. So it's an interesting conflict yeah, there. That is, it, that's true. Um, I think, I guess, interestingly, I feel like that the scene in the movie progresses his story, his characterization, whereas in the play, it progresses Liesel's. Because mm-hmm. in the play... Captain Von Trapp doesn't say that. He the thing that turns Rolf around is Liesel standing up and saying something. Right. Which we've talked a lot about how she's learning that maybe her outspokenness like Maria's isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And so when she stands up in that moment and um Rolf listens, I think it shows that he does care about her, which is just a nice Thing. For sure. Um, <laughs> for sure. And then Liesl, um, it shows that she's learning that to embrace her outspoken mm-hmm. side. She's learning she's from Maria. Use that strength mm-hmm. In a way that 
First of all, I don't think the Baroness would have ever been able to t- teach her. In fact, I do For want sure. to talk a little bit about like the bear, how the Baroness would have responded to the situation mm-hmm. versus Maria. And so how basically Maria coming into the situation goes beyond bringing the family together. It's also getting them to safety when that time comes. Because there's no way the Baroness would have gone to the mountains. She would have tried. <laughs> there's this moment where Max um, asks Maria to talk some sense into the captain. And Maria's oh. response is, I can't ask him to be less than he is. Which is just so sweet. But it just shows like she has accepted him for who he is and she appreciates what he is yeah and it shows their similarities that was actually Mm -hmm. the exact quote i thought of at the very beginning when you said that they're seemingly different like Mm -hmm. they're actually the same they both hold on to these same principles they just had to like realize what those were right yes absolutely absolutely (laughs) no yeah that's great and whereas the baroness would have tried to change him would have tried to convince him to go a certain way and to break away from his principles um but that just wouldn't have been good for him and i mean being part of nazi germany like not only would it have not been good for him it probably would have gotten him killed eventually because he was never going to fully listen to the baroness he He would not have been able to do it and so it would have put him in more danger and his family in more danger um if the baroness had been the one that he married but because he married maria who is a principled person who loves god and who appreciates those qualities in him as well, they're able to get to safety and be united in getting to safety in a way that um, really is what saves them ultimately. Yeah, and I love during the whole escape scene is where we really see where this perceived flaw of Mm -hmm. the captain, his military strength and discipline, comes out as his strength because there is no way <laughs> they could yes. have gotten out in such a perfect organized discipline. They had seven kids yes. and Gretel is five. Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? Like, <laughs> true, unless so that true. girl had been trained to march and come when called and be quiet when told to be quiet, there is uh, like, there's, it's way more yeah. likely they would have gotten caught. And mm-hmm. but all those kids know when dad says this, you do it right and so Mm -hmm. all of that training that they've had for the past several years since their mom passed really saves them in this Mm -hmm. moment where dad goes into military mode and they listen and they make it out period the end yes Uh it's so true so true so like ultimately all of this plays together and yes there were mistakes made yes maybe things in the moment seemed flawed But ultimately, it's exactly what needed to happen to get them to safety. And God knew what was going to happen. He knew that the Nazis would take over. He knew that Captain Von Trapp was principled enough to not want to follow that way of thinking and to want to get out with his whole family. And so even though the grief is difficult to go through with the loss of his wife, it did ultimately allow him to prepare his whole family for this great terrible thing um whereas and so maria comes right at the right moment where they still have that training in them but she's able to open them up and give them love and comfort that they need also in that moment (laughs) where they're like not only are they prepared and able to and disciplined enough to do what they need to do but also they feel safe with their parents now little greta can hug in her arms just like during that first thunderstorm so they can feel some level of I don't want to say peace, but kind of a peace for sure. while they're getting out like of the situation. Okay. When mm-hmm. you're a kid and you trust your parents and you know that they've always kept you safe before, 
I feel like you can say this is scary, but they're going to keep me safe again. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And big deal. yeah, along with that, Maria's taught them how to have a relationship with God, which also brings them peace yeah. and assurance and reassurance that they're going to make it. They're going to be OK in a way that if they keep going. Can. So, <laughs> yes, God loves us. God has a plan. And he knows what our flaws are, he knows what our strengths are, and he can use both to create the perfect the perfect plan. He can take our little loaves and fishes, and maybe one of the loaves is, like, half eaten <laughs> and flawed, or one's maybe burnt. Maybe it's, like, whole wheat and gross. Loaves, yes, whole wheat, burnt, half eaten, nasty. But he can transform it into something that will feed 5,000 people Till they're full and they're great, Um, which is just miraculous and wonderful. So I think that's where we're going to end this, unless you had any other thoughts. Okay. Um, So thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. Sorry again for the midway um, slight problem with my footage, but hopefully we'll be able to edit around that pretty well. Um, And yeah, this has been a great episode. So I don't have anything else to say. So we hope you are having a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Oh, also, don't forget to see God in all things. That is so embarrassing that we forgot to say that. But there you go. And we hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye.